still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. The victorious boys in blue, black and white. What a win on Friday night for Bath. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, how are you? Very good, mate. Yeah, still can't quite get the, the smile off my face after Friday night. One of the, one of, one of the best evenings at the Wreck in a, in a long time. Yes, and another smiling face joins us on the Zoom call this week. We are delighted, honoured to be joined by Bath Fly Half, star of the moment at the moment, Max Ajoma. Max, thank you for, for coming on. We've been, we've been trying to make this happen for a little while. I think you said you'll come on when we get our first win. So that's probably the reason for the delay, but it's really nice to have you on. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly is. Have you um, have you recovered from from what was surely some wild celebrations on on Friday after the win? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's been a rarity this season, so it was good to get that one. And you know, against the reigning champs, there's some serious celebrations going on. Yeah, I think. It's it's like, Go on, Tom. Sorry, I was going to say it. Didn't it? It tied in quite nicely as well, didn't it? Because you had um, JJ. I think it was 150th. Um, appearance for Bath and was it Ben Spencer as well it was his 150th in the Prem as well so quite a few nice milestones to to, to celebrate a lot to celebrate on Friday night yeah exactly and like Nathan on debut what a debut yeah mm. yeah, yeah he's, he's gonna pick a better weekend yeah I think it's important isn't it I don't know if that's something you guys stress as kind of to enjoy those those victories I know obviously the Worcester one I'm sure you sure you enjoyed that kind of even though it has been a tough season, still allow yourself to to enjoy it when something does go well. Um, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I forget who told me, but um, they told me to start of the season like losing can be just as contagious as winning. Mm. And I feel like you know you get that win against Worcester. You know you had a tough Europe Europe game after that, and then we come in on Friday and we get that win as well. And now hopefully we can start building some some momentum into the the back end of the season. I actually think we're the only Prem side to have won both our games in 2022. So we're actually the formed team in the Premiership, which, uh, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know how that makes you feel, mate. <laughs> no, mate I'd, love, I'd love to be known as the um, banana peel um, team. For the, the <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys have any kind of specific goals just looking at the season more broadly before we do get into Friday night, like going forward for the rest of the season? Obviously, Top four at this stage is, is is pretty unrealistic. But you, there must be something that you guys have set. I don't know whether that's just catching Worcester or catching Bristol, or is there anything that you've spoken about as a group? Mate, um, to be honest, no, not really. I think the main thing was just turning around our form, and I guess the nearest one would be looking at that Champions Cup. I don't know if that's just top four this season, but I remember we finished pretty low down last season, still still got into it. But I'd love to see how high we can push our seeding so we don't end up against like two European giants this season. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's important. Well, I was just going to say, turning to turning to Friday night, it was also obviously kind of a brilliant atmosphere, brilliant win, like you said, against the champions. It, it I was there on the night, and it felt like. It felt like everyone in the rec, players, coaches, fans, were kind of living and breathing every moment in that second half as we obviously 
kind of fought to cling on. And, you know, there was, there was kind of plenty of stuff against us. Obviously, only, only kind of one in 16 in all competitions up to, up to that point. Um, a number eight who was, as you say, kind of parachuted in, having arrived at the club on, on Monday. 21 players, I believe, unavailable. And obviously, what we, you know, the most important thing, guys playing out of position, you starting, I, I believe, is this right? I believe it was your first start at 10 since you, since you were 16. Yeah, yeah. Last time I was back. Actually, that's actually not that long ago, is it? I mean, it makes makes, <laughs> makes makes me feel a little bit old. But how did you how did you find it at ten? Because it must it must be a big adjustment from from playing at centre all season. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really like someone that um, gets nervous for games or anything, but I, it was a lot of mental stress. It's a lot. Although there's a lot less contact, there's a lot more to think about. You got to think about managing your forwards when you want to exit, like what what the game needs and when. Yeah, but when uh, did, when sorry? Did, oh, sorry, go on. Sorry, I don't know. You you continue. Well, I was just going to say, when did you actually find out in the week that it was going to you were going to be playing fly off? Um, I kind of knew because I, I knew Cam was coming back. So I went to Cam's house on the weekend, and he said he was at Scotland until I think it was Thursday evening or, or Wednesday, and then he was in for like just captain's run. Um, I knew Landy was going to wait, going to be away the whole time. Sips um, was still having symptoms, so. I, I kind of knew in the back of my head that uh, it was going to be me because I'd been back up 10 for the last few few games. So I, the, the boys, you know, I wouldn't say they were most pleased that I was 10 because they know I like to spray it around a bit. But <laughs> uh, it worked out in the end, so we'll take it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm taking I'm, I'm taking offence to something you said, Tom. I, I'm not sure it is out of position. You know, maybe maybe Orlando Bailey's gonna have to 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 be relegated to the bench for the performance. No way, no way. Mate. You could you could take that ten jersey all day. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what kind of influence Cam Redpath and and Ben Spencer had on on you in that game. Kind of there, obviously Cam's not that experienced, but Spencer in particular has got loads of experience. Did that make it sort of an easier transition as opposed to playing with? A scrum half you may have also been inexperienced. Oh, mate, with Spenny, it makes life easy. Like, is, is he can put it on a, you know, put a kick on a penny. Like, I know I could just get to an edge, ask him to box kick, he'll put it up, and then, like, it was something stupid like 10, 10 kick regains or something. And, you know, when you got a pressure point like that game, like, why would you stray away from it? I mean, I, I did try one one up and under. It didn't work, and I I counted it for the rest of the game. So <laughs> I just thought I'd leave it to him. It must it must be pretty pretty amazing having him him kind of playing inside you. I mean, we we since since he came in a couple of years ago, Ben Spencer, we kind of we kind of run and rave about him because he, he he he's just kind of he just seems to be awesome at everything everything he does. Is he is he is he is he as good as he looks? Yeah, no, no, he's good. He's very good. Um game game management I mean I'm pretty sure you could play any of the back line at 10 and Spenny could manage the game for you um, he just does his job very very well and you know it's good to have a nine like him it takes a lot of pressure off the 10 and it allows you to play a relatively inexperienced 10-12 like myself and Landy or um, myself and Cam especially when you've got JJ at 13 as well yeah, yeah. I was going to say, have you, have you, have you got a message? But the, the last, um, the last guy we had on the podcast who was subbing in at ten was was Josh Matavesi. <laughs> he, um, he, he I, th- I think he still listens now and again. He did, uh, he, he did all right, but he played a slightly different brand of rugby to to you did. It was a bit, few, bit more crash ball um, rather than expansive passing. Um, yeah. but I'm sure, I'm sure he would have subbed in if he'd if he'd been given the opportunity again. 
all there, mate. He's probably one of the most skillful players I've I've known. Never seen a man his size move like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he certainly was a uh, um, he was certainly different at fly half. That's for sure. What do you think kind of made the the difference on? On Saturday, you know, I wonder whether you think it's something that we've been, that you've been building, building, or is there something specific on Friday? Sorry, that particularly made the difference to to to, to make you guys um, get the win. Um, I do, I do think we we were always building to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know our pack fronted up heavily, like that's the scrum dominance we had, you know, picking up pens in those situations. It makes it easy for us. It's easy to put pressure on a team and then just our wingers and great kicking. That's it. And then we just, we literally just keep using, like it's so easy because you can just keep going back to those points knowing that you're going to get purchased out of it. Um, and also the crowd, like I haven't had the wreck like that in a while. And I, I actually called, the, I said to Gabe the day before the game, like I can, I can feel it. I think we're going to win this one. Um, because Friday night lights at the wreck, when the crowd's behind you, it's hard. You know, it's hard to lose. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I think I say that to this Gabe um, every week for for the whole season. It's not 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 materialised every time. But obviously, obviously, you're uh, you're 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 kind of a, you're a fair bit closer to it than us. And yeah, I think the atmosphere it kind of it felt in that second half. It you know it was almost kind of desperation. I don't know how you felt, but obviously in the past we've we've got ahead and then we've we've given away the lead and we've we've kind of found a way to to lose the game almost so yeah i'm just really hoping that you know you mentioned game management but i'm just really hoping that this is a bit of a, a turning point you know as you say this finding a way to win getting into that winning habit is so important particularly when it's so intense you've got a game every weekend midweek games there's there's no rest at all so um does it you know, it would have been the first the first day back in in Farley House. I would have thought today on yeah. on, on Monday. So, d- does it kind of feel like a bit of a, a bit of a turning point? And and kind of how's the how's kind of the how was the more general mood today in in training? Yeah, mate, sweet. Oh, you know, I couldn't wait to get back into training all weekend. <laughs> um, came in today. It was like Monday's always a pretty low key day. Um, We've actually moved on very quickly to looking at salaries. We did pick up some key defensive points and like especially like why we won that game against Quinns. Um and just looked to implement parts of it into our into our game plan for salaries. Um because you know the Quinns game doesn't mean much if we don't win some of our next few games. And is that how do you, how do you, I was gonna say, how do you, how do you think the defense has, has been coming on over the last few weeks? Because obviously it's been been an area that we've we've struggled with and brought in Yancy van Rensburg, um, uh, you know, sorry, Brent van Rensburg, yeah. not Jan van yeah, Rensburg, yeah. Center. Uh, he brought in brought in Brent, uh, you know, a month or so ago. What what's kind of been the main things that that he's he's brought in and changed? Um, he's kind of got us. He's we're, we're all really aligned now on the same page. Like it's the first. He's the first defense coach I've had really, and we're. We've pushed more to a blitz defence. You know, like previously in the past with like JJ and Carl, we've always been a very drift first team. But now we realise like, if we can put teams under pressure and force the skills because we're a skillful team like that, they'll make unforced errors. Oh, sorry, forced errors and knock the ball on. And then we can just go back to our points of pressure. And and you see that in, um, I think it was Tabai Matson's interview after the game. He was saying like, uh, or no, sorry, the coach was saying to Hats on Saturday that, like our lines people were just that much that they couldn't do anything with the ball. And this is a Quinn's team that loves to play with it. Mm. 
And how difficult has it been for him, do you think, obviously coming in mid-season to, to, to implement, you know, it's what sounds like quite a, quite a big change? Uh, mate, a lot. I, I, the guy, is, it's crazy. I, I think his days are something like 5am to like 6pm, right? The guy's in there early having meetings 24-7. Um, and to be fair, he's come in and he's actually, he's cut down what he'd normally do do for a team because he hasn't had pre-season to implement it so he doesn't want boys to be you know confused between the old system and the new system so he's cut down a bit simplified it we've got like, we've got all of, our, all of our maps for defending phase like one to three and then it's just about staying in the system and not giving away pens and then and then I guess, I guess looking ahead more small kind of um, but next season and, and the coaching changes that, that have been announced, how, how exciting is it for, for you and the players um, that we're, we're kind of bringing in someone with the, the experience of, of Van Grant um, to kind of coach you up at obviously still quite a young stage of, of your career? Yeah, mate, I'm very excited. Like, the more coaches you get, like, mm-hmm. it, at a young age, the more, you know, the more well-rounded your game can be, you can kind of adapt to any sort of situation. Because uh, the issues were before, I'd only had only had one or two coaches. My perspective was so narrow. I didn't know if a coach was good or bad. I was just taking that what they were saying as like gold. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, you you kind of you're still like very early in your career. We kind of we kind of we kind of forget that because obviously you've 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 you know not not to not to cause you blushes, but you've had such a great season this season. You've been kind of a, a standout. You've taken your opportunities so well, and you know. Going forward, like over the next few seasons, what, what, firstly, kind of what position do you see yourself in? Um, first and foremost, what, what position do you, you know, what's your favorite position to play in? And kind of also, what, what sort of player do you, do you see yourself developing into? Uh, it lags a bit there, but, uh, you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Did you say my favorite position uh, or like position I look to, to play in? Yeah. Um, mate, to be honest, I, like, I do think 12 is a, I, I just love it. It's a great position. It's that kind of second receiver role where it's different from 10, where with 10, you have to watch the ball at all times because the ball is coming away. Whereas at 12, like I can let Landy do his thing and still scan what's going on outside. I don't have to worry about, you know, getting the forwards around, calling, calling this, you know, the, the game management side of things. At 12, it's very much a case of if I see space, organizing my attack on the outside and then, you know, having a crack. Um, I think, I think if I can develop my game to be that that triple threat, like it's very hard to defend a player that can run, pass or kick. Um, so I think right now I'm trying to develop my kicking game, uh, more positional kicks. I can I can kick to myself because I'm selfish, but more mm. like pinning pinning corners. Like when Josh was playing twelve, if you're pinning corners, how much easier does that um, make it for your ten? Yeah. Yeah, and are there any are there any twelves of the past or twelves that you've played with that have really kind of um, I guess have really kind of big, big you know been kind of big influences and in that you kind of you kind of mold your mold your game on a little bit. Um, I've I've actually had so many good twelves to learn off. Um, most recently uh, with with Josh, like if you're talking about triple threat, he's the guy, and then you. <laughs> <laughs> adding his offload game and stuff and someone that's been you know around the way played at so many different clubs and at such a top level for so long like that guy he knew his stuff um, who else and Kyle 
Carl Eastman's mm. back in the day. I, I said previously, I love JJ, but Carl, I've always respected Carl Vals. You know, he was, he was a short guy, but he just, it was like chess to him. Either way, he just took apart defences. It's almost like a puzzle. Um, and then recently, it's literally like trying to take as much as possible off everyone. Like, whether that's Clarky, Cam, Jay, like, I've literally, if I think someone's better than me at something, I'll try and pick their brains about it. I mean, that, that must have been even more so when you when you were in the England camp um, over over last summer. Just what what was that experience like? And and have you heard have you had any contact from from Eddie Jones since then on on maybe what he wants you to improve on or or how he thinks your game is developing? Um, so I, I camp was good. Like it was probably the hardest four weeks of my life. It was really good because I had so many different styles of players. I like it was my first time playing with you know, more experienced Maverick tens, you'd say, with like Jacob, Marcus, um, and then add Ollie Lawrence as well, like young players and just trying to, you know, see what was being successful for them. Because I only had like two Prem games at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so even though I didn't get capped, it was still a great experience. Like one, you're training, balls out every day. So it, it kind of taught me like, shit, this is the level that I can train at every day yeah. and keep warming. So when I come back to the club, like at club, you only, you probably only have one hard training session a week. So can I, like it made it a lot easier to be able to perform week in, week out at club. And then in terms of Eddie, um, yeah, to be fair, we've had some good chats. Um, I'm quite nausea. Um, I think the main thing for me was always when I left camp, it was like, can I become a test match he said test match body, but essentially test match player, like performing week in, week out, you know, you're not making, your game is, you simplify your game and you're always performing above a seven out of 10. That's what, that's what a class player does. And um, I think the main thing for, for me is like just defense. Um, I think, because something that stunted me a bit was moving to center so late. Uh, I think if I, if I, played centre throughout my whole childhood I'll be a much better defender than I am now but because I moved late I had no idea how like set piece defence worked when I first came into into Bath um, two and a half years ago Oh that's awesome and obviously the you know other young guy who's, who's been making a bit of a mark um, Orlando Bailey's been been called up have you have you heard anything from him over the last week or so about how 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 England's been, or has he been has he been too tired from all the training to 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 to, to get in contact? I'm, I'm actually quite um I'm quite angry because he seems he seems to love it. Like I don't I'm not sure. I think because it was a build up to the Six Nations. Obviously, you can't cane the players as much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he um yeah he, he really enjoyed it. He came down to the game on Friday, so I saw him afterwards. Said it was going well. Um, they had that incident with the the fire alarm or something. There was a big fire at the hotel, so I think they they actually missed a day of training. Um, so I think he only had two training days and two te- um, team building days. But uh, oh, so I mean, he's been he's been left the hook easy then compared to you because he had to. I, I won't say too much. I won't say too much. <laughs> you had to move hotel in the middle of the night or something. Yeah, easy excuse. Less balls out from Landy than than it was for you last summer. Yeah, yeah, but also I was like I was pretty fat as well. <laughs> um, I think yeah, it's, I do love I love playing with him. Um, I played with him for so long. I think like, it's it's literally telepathic when when we're on the pitch. Um, I think Leinster at home, we're like camped out on our own ten meter line near half time. Like, he takes the ball out the back. 
he like he starts moving towards me and I just I could tell he's gonna kick it. So I just run through, puts the chip over, and it's like on the money for me. Like yeah. little things like that. Um and it it only improves, you know, the more challenged we are. So coming up against great teams like that, like it just accelerates our game. Yeah, it does feel like there's kind of like a young a young crop of players um, starting to come through. Obviously, yourself, Landy, to, um, to Glanville, and then looking the forwards like you and Richards, and then a little bit older, Bayless and, and Reed. How how much have you have, have you guys all played together uh, when you were younger? Mate, it's, it's weird because and, and of brother. course, Gabe Gabe Hamer Webb, who's who's uh, a yeah, yeah, housemate yeah. in the background. <laughs> no, I don't want to forget him. Um, of course, like. With different age groups, you don't really play as much. You only really find two age groups play together. So, yeah. because he was, you know, as mad as a kid, like he was playing up an age group for county. So that's how I like we built that chemistry. Um, like when you're going through school, you always hear of names, you know, across the way. Like Gabe, I went to Cares, Gabe went to Beach, and so so we knew each other like that, like that. But with um, with like Miles, Miles was I think he's two years older than me. So like his first two years in the academy, like. Like we seriously looked up to him. Same with Bayless. Like those young guys coming through, and then want to move into the environment to begin with, and have them like already like friendly faces there that can show you the ropes. So you're not, you know, pissing off the likes of Dunny and um and and Roscoe. Uh, <laughs> that helps a lot. And then to now where it's like on the pitch, you look across, you're like, Christ, I've been, I've known this guy for five years now. When on paper we've only been at the same club for two, mm. like. I thought that's priceless. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. Um, and then finally, kind of final questions from us. You're, you know, you said Landy was there on Friday night. Another guy who who almost stole the show on Friday night was your was your dad. Um, when they they answer uh, mm. him after you'd put a um, probably your only wayward pass it over someone's head. Um, maybe won't repeat exactly what he said. Um, I was wondering, kind of what have, what he thought of the game on on Friday night, and then how big a influence has he been? Obviously. On, on on your career as you grew up? Um, yeah, mate, uh, that was a funny clip, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> all right, it's class having him there. Uh, what do you think of the game? Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, he said to me after the game, he, he didn't think we'd win it. I, I genuinely thought we'd win it. He said he said to um, one of his friends, yeah, um, yeah, I won't say the rest. He said to his friends that um, <laughs> he thought it'd be a moral victory, like, We'd, we'd come close, it'd be, it'd be good for the team, but he wasn't sure if we'd be able to, you know, hang on to it. Um, uh, but, you know, oh well. <laughs> he was certainly looking looking pretty pretty suave on the day, to be fair. Was he was he, uh, was he he up in a box, I think? Yeah, yeah. He yeah, said, I mean, perks, yeah. Of the, perks of being a Bath legend, I guess. Bath life was some, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, just, just, I was going to say, just before we let you go, we've had some... A few kind of quick fire listener questions come in. Obviously, you know, our, our listeners asking all the important questions that um that that, that need to be asked. So maybe I'll, I'll just just far far a few across at you. So we've gone from Henry Bate, which says Max has now played 10, 12, 13 this season. Are there any others that you're you're looking to tick off? Well, I'm too slow to play wing. You know, I can only pass off one hand, so I can't play nine. And then I'm not jumping in the air, so I can't play 15. So it's one of those three lads. Unless I'm moving to eight, I'm not changing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd quite, I think you'd, uh, you might do all right at eight, actually. Me too, but are we going to say any more? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Neil Hatley wouldn't agree. Um, no, no chance. No and chance. then we've got Ornu from um, Big Coogs, who I think might be one of your mates, yes. uh, potentially. He says, hello, Max. Is it true you can't chop a pint? 
Right, believe it or not, I don't actually like pies. I'd, I'm just too young. I love sugar. But, you know, I've got a good chop on beer and the boys, the boys will back me up. You showed that, on, <laughs> showed that on Friday, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then another food-related one, uh, sauce, sausage sandwich, red sauce, brown sauce or no sauce. That's from Stand Up Bath, a fan account, asking, me, asking important questions. Surely red sauce. Surely. Got to be, yeah. Yeah, I think I'd go mayo, but that's that's probably a controversial opinion. <laughs> any any others there, Tom, or or should we? I think we've I think I think yeah I think we've covered 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 everything. It's kind of a lot of of stuff asking you about um, kind of you know rugby heroes and and you know where you see yourself self playing in the future and the other guys that we've 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 we've, we've kind of spoken about in 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 the squad. So yeah, I think I I think that that's. That, that's kind of covered it. Well, amazing, Max. Thank you so much for for coming on. Um, definitely worth worth the wait. And yeah, when when we start to tick off these wins, um, yeah, you can become more of a, a regular guest. So thank you for for coming on. Um, congrats on the win on the win on Friday. And yeah, I'm sure we will. Um, you'll see us again, slightly pissed after another bath game. <laughs> uh, clapping the boys off. So so cheers, mate, and and have a good rest of your evening. Oh, thank you, Alf. I really enjoyed it. And there he goes, Max Ajoma. Thanks again for being on the podcast. Um, Tom, great to finally have him on. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, you know, what what kind of a, a, a modest bloke as well. You know, he's, he's, he's clearly so hungry to improve and get better. And you'd expect that for a guy in his position at, at only only 21 years of age. But, you know, we mentioned, we mentioned Eddie Jones. Um, it seems like he's he's still kind of in the, in the conversation there and in the picture. And he, he really should be because... You know, although Friday night was was brilliant and we're all kind of riding that wave at the moment, we shouldn't forget that it's been a torrid, torrid season. And throughout that, he's been one of the one of the shining lights. So yeah, brilliant, brilliant season from him. Um, you know, fantastically he was able to slot in for for fly half and 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 play as well as he did. And yeah, great to great to have him on at long last. Yeah, I'd rather have him than Mark Atkinson in the England centres against Scotland. So, you know. Sounds like it's going to be Henry. Sounds like it's going to be Henry Slade. Yeah, wow. Yeah, fair, fair play, and 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 what a win it was, Tom, on Friday night. I will, um, yeah, I'll give you some some credit here. You were uh, certainly in a more positive attitude than I was on the last podcast, even though I I did outline a way in which I thought we may be able to keep this one close. Um, I was pretty negative on on a lot of things, but yeah, it certainly seemed you were there as well on on Friday night, contributing to to what seemed like one of the the more memorable days at the wreck in a long time. Brilliant, yeah. I think you know before the game, I think there's you know there's always the the kind of it felt quite irrational, but there's always the you know will it be tonight? You never know. It could be kind of a miracle. I think you messaged me before the game and said that you were you were worried that it could get ugly. And I think that was the, that was probably the sentiment that everyone had, you know, you never know, but in all likelihood, you know, Quinza on a, on a, on a run, they, they, they've really found a way to win. Um, no, no matter kind of how they played over the last few weeks. And the, the, the stuff that I, I said prior to the interview there, the, the odds were really stacked against us in terms of recent form, in terms of injuries, in terms of guys out of position, in terms of new signings. So to, to do what we did, I think was, incredibly impressive you know we we are now getting in a position where we're we're starting to chase down Worcester and Bristol in the 
in the table. So that is definitely, you know, Max said that there's there's not something that a target that they have in mind. But I think that that should definitely start to to come into view in, in the windscreen, as it were, and we should definitely be 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 hunting that down as as as, as kind of as kind of fast as we can. Yeah, that's got to be the goal, hasn't it? To not come bottom at this point. And yeah, just seven points behind Worcester at the moment with, with a lot, a large chunk of the season still to go. They've employed Steve Diamond as their DOR. So clearly they are, you know, recognising the need for change. They're not playing some great stuff at the moment, lost at the weekend. So I do think that's a realistic possibility. And if we did end up finishing above Worcester or even above Bristol, that from where we've been, that, that, that would feel you know, like some progress has been made and and the guys that are getting game time off the back of all of these issues that we're having, Max for for one, but but you and Richard's another one who I thought was absolutely outstanding on Friday night, a young young back rower who wouldn't have dreamed of playing as much rugby as he's playing. If we can start to turn a few games around and also continue to give these guys more time, then with the changes that we're implementing over the summer, Maybe there's a path to, to 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 a quick improvement, as we saw with with Leicester Tigers. Yeah, I mean, you know, twelve out of thirteen is not acceptable, and we we wouldn't have taken mm. that at the start of the season. But as you say, from where we are now, and from where we were a couple of weeks ago, or prior to the Worcester game without a win, it would represent a significant improvement across the season in itself. And I think, as you say, it would provide a bit of a a bit of a launch pad for the the, the changes that. The, the, and a bit of momentum for the changes that we, we're, we're making at the end of the season. What do you think made the difference on Friday? Max spoke about the game management that they were able to to use and the influence of Ben Spencer on that. Do you, do you think that was the, the key contributing factor? Because let's be honest, the last two weeks, we've been absolutely taken apart in almost every area of the game. And Quinn's, as you say, riding high champions. But it wasn't the case at all on, on Friday. What do, you, what do you put that down to? Well, I don't think Quinns are a, are a Leinster for a start. And I, I think the result would have been very much the same no matter how we played against against Leinster. La Rochelle away, you know, very, very difficult game, especially with the team that we fielded. But I think there, there's, there are improvements that we've seen over the last the last couple of months. Game management, I think, is is, is has has been important. I, I, I completely agree with Max that I think the, the kicking and the when to kick and how far to kick, whether to make it contestable, whether to go for touch that essentially Ben Spencer has been running. I think that has been improved. And the, the number of box kicks that went up where, whether it was because we were, we were desperate, we were, it was good tactics. It was training that we were able to recoup on our side. It meant that we had the lion's share of possession. You know, we had 73% of possession on the, on the day. And it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to, to win a game of rugby when you only when you only have the ball a quarter of the time, so I think game management was 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 part of it, and I also think to mm. the point that he, he was making as well. I think we're starting to see aspects of our defence improve, and I I choose my words very carefully there because let's not forget that the first 10, 15 minutes of that game, Quinns butchered two guilt-edged opportunities that they they should have scored and they should have gone they should have gone two tries clear. But I think mall defence has improved. We've we found a way to get turnovers close to our line in the last. Well, we did find a way to get to get close, you know, get turnovers close to our line. Whether or not that was that was Quinn's not quite being being up to scratch on the night, I'm not sure. But I think Van Rensburg is having a is having a bit of a an impact 
Um, and I think there are a few massive defensive sets that we put in, which were were cheered along hugely, and which 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 were an improvement from 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 earlier on in the season. Mm. But just not, I mean, you can pick up on those points, G. But I, I maybe I'm I'm maybe I'm being overly generous. I think it was just it was just we had we needed a spark in that second half. First half was pretty poor. It was the same old script that we've we've seen. We got close to the line. We ultimately weren't able to get across the whitewash. We looked leaky at times in defence, and we we bottled that that driving mall before half time and let Quinn score at the other end, which was just uh just uh, just just we've seen it so many times before, but it, it's still so gut wrenching when that happens. And we just it felt like we just needed a spark. And you can talk about different areas of the game, but the Will Muir try down the left wing. I mean, how he scores that and you know, just barreling over good old Jack Walker and, and Tyrone Green. Scoring that, I think it just gave them a bit of confidence. And then I think it was just purely about fight and desperation to to manage to stay ahead and hold on. Mm. I'm not yeah, I mean lot lots to lots to lots to obviously get to there, Tom. Um really well detailed some of the key aspects of the game. I don't I don't think I really agree that the defence has improved. Not yet. I, I still think that we they open us up so, so easy on what, three occasions? And with only the little ball they had, they to still kind of concede those three tries from, from almost nowhere. I, I do think that, that that serious issues do do remain. And Max was saying that they're, they're kind of all on the same page, but I do think it's incredibly difficult with the number of changes that are being made to the team every week to to be able to be on the same page against a team in Harlequins who who can kind of score from anywhere. So I don't I don't think I agree with that. I think the key point for me was the game management and the battle of the the battle of the 15s and the battle of the kind of backfield, defending backfield. I thought Rocket Aguni was absolutely outstanding. Fair play. You said it on a couple of weeks ago when he was playing on the wing. But to play at 15 and to field some of those high balls, I thought it was one of his best performances in the past year in, in a number of seasons. And on the flip side, Tyrone Green, the guy who just signed the new contract to Harlequins and, and, and is one of the, the, the most highly regarded fullbacks in the league, he really, really struggled. I think that was a combination of him not probably having his best night, but also Spencer's kicking and chasing was, yeah, it was absolutely excellent. I think Max referenced 10 times we got the ball back and that just allowed us to keep the ball and, and kind of in being able to keep the ball, we, we meant our defence wasn't on the field too long to concede more points. Well, I didn't, don't think it helped Tyrone Green's performance getting absolutely folded like a cheap well, denture by Nathan Hughes, by your boy. You've, you've called him in, you've called him for captain, you've called him for the Lions. <laughs> in, you've called him in and you've got a large, I, mean, I don't know if it's the Zoom quality, but you seem to have a decent amount of egg on your face right now. But he, um, he yeah, I mean... Well, I, I, it looked, it, it looked, well, just on the Tyrone Green shot, it looked like a, a big shot in person. Watching it back in the slow-mo, it's, that's pure dangerous. He's destroyed him. And then, and I, we should have asked Max about this, actually, because I'm sure he would have claimed, claimed credit for it because it was a bit of a double hit. Um, <laughs> but the, the hit on Andre Esterhazen, who was anonymous and got the ball, crashed it up as he's done so often, and was destroyed by... By Hugh. So anyway, to yeah, to, to Tyra to, to Tyron Green, I, and 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 to the point about Rocco Daguni, he's I think he's really playing some good stuff. Not in the traditional Rocco Daguni mold that we've we've seen in seasons gone by, but he he looks composed. He looks almost like a leader at times. 
And I, I, yeah, I think he's he's turning into a very, very solid player on the on on the wing and at fullback. And and who would have thought that we'd have been saying that a couple of seasons ago, even when he was so prolific in his try scoring? Imagine if he had that to his game when he was kind of banging in tries left, right, and centre. He would have been one of the best wingers in the world. He's he's really developed his game. It's massive credit to him and 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 obviously to the coaching that coaches that are helping him out with that. So I do think we do we probably need to address the the the. Egg on your face. Egg on my face. The Nathan Hughes elephant, the, the large elephant that we've got in the room. And yeah, I was, <laughs> I was certainly getting um, some stick for it on socials. Obviously, if you haven't heard, please do go back and listen to, well, maybe not actually, listen to the previous podcast where we discussed the short-term signing of Nathan Hughes. And to say that I was a little bit critical of the signing would potentially be understating it. Um. <sighs> Was I wrong? I think you said that it's the worst thing to happen all season, didn't you? Oh, no, I didn't say that on the podcast. I did text you that, yeah. Oh, it's, it's out there now. <laughs> <laughs> was I wrong? Uh, probably slightly wrong, yes. I still think I was right on a couple of things. And Hughes did, did some things really well. I still don't think he's the right fit for Bath. But to be fair, he, we needed a proper eight in that game because the scrum was probably even, but a little bit of a mess. And him being able to pick from the base and get around, the, get around the scrum and get over the game line was massive on a couple of occasions. And someone like Tom Ellis just, just doesn't have the experience to be able to do that. He also really, his level of influence did start to grow into the game in that second half. And yeah, those two big hits were, were real, real big moments in the game. And, and, and he carried nicely throughout the game. But he didn't play as well as, as everybody's making him out to... To, to have played obviously being there on the night uh, maybe may, may kind of easy to get swept up in there and, and listening to, to Lawrence Delalio speak about him it was almost like we had Pete Kieran Reid out there he didn't play that well he played pretty well and did some things really really well but I just want to see that over the course of a number of games I think we've seen him do little sparks for, for both Bristol and Wasps and I also still don't think that signing Nathan Hughes to a two, three, four-year deal at the end of the season would be the right thing for Bath's long-term kind of development as a team. Yeah, look, I, I you know, I agree with what you said there. I think it it definitely fits the BT narrative mm, and the it, commentary it was narrative. So to give him him man of the match, I think you know, even watching it at the time, that was that was clear. It, you know, he it was, it was probably. He had a good game, but it, it, I would personally have probably given it to the horse or or Max or Josh McNally, potentially. Um, you and Richard Spencer. played as well. Sorry. So ben, ben Spencer as well had, had, had another really good game. But I think there were candidates probably that would, would, have, would have shaved 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 him. But I think what it what it did was it exposed and it highlighted how much we'd been missing a proper ball carrier in our in our front eight since Zach Mercer obviously departed our our ranks, and you know Jacko Kutsia was brought in to fill the boots of of, of Zach Mercer, mm-hmm. and he's been really unlucky with injuries. And when he came on, mm-hmm. he showed that I think he can fit that mould. I was very impressed with how how strongly he looked to carry. He, he always you know he, he gets over the first man quite easily, and he he, he gets over the gain line. So I think it, it 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 you know the fact that we're lacking ball carriers in that in that front eight as it's been probably meant that having Hughes brought in, it, it, it kind of, you know, it it, it, it it showed that his main asset, which is going forwards, which is aggressive ball carrying, 
added to something that we we didn't have. So I think that was that was why it was probably kind of, you know, probably it was it appeared to be such a big impact. And you know, the first half was a mix. He made some big busting carries. He took a, a few good lines off 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 Ben Spencer. But at times he you know he did look a bit hesitant. He, I think he, he he dropped the ball on on one occasion. That was that kickoff when he juggled it very precariously with one hand and then gathered it and crashed over the the forty meter line. So. You know, I think as he got into the second half, he made he made more of an impact. He obviously made those those tackles, and I think he he started to understand the rhythm of the game. But you know, he arrived at Farley House on Monday, so he's obviously going to be a bit hesitant. He's obviously not quite going to be up to speed with the calls. Max Ajomo was in his ear at the scrums, talking him through the calls that had obviously been called because he's just not. He had two training sessions. He's not had time to to get up to speed. So I think when all those things are considered. It was a pretty impressive performance. It probably wasn't a man of the match performance. It doesn't mean that he's suddenly back to his best and should be 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 signed up for the long term by by a club. But it was pretty damn impressive for a guy that had come in on short notice. And also, you were definitely wrong last week. <laughs> well, I, I do think Kutsir was looked excellent. So um, yeah, I'd like to see him starting in the eight shirt against Saracens. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, I, I probably I probably overreacted slightly to the same <laughs> <laughs> as I'm sometimes one to do. Uh, but no credit to him, and, and and he kind of looked like he was back to enjoying his rugby, which was great to see. Um, I thought the other the, the key area, the other key area of the game, Tom, was the scrum, um, and I was hugely concerned about that in the first few minutes of the game because. Caldwell and Ray, uh, a couple of guys who have not played a lot of rugby, particularly at this standard, and we're coming up against a Quinn scrum that that has been good this year, and with Marlow obviously in there, but but kind of has been impressive. And it looked at the start of the game like that was going to be a massive area of concern. I think we conceded two, three, maybe penalties in the first five minutes at scrum time. But credit to those props massive credit to them not only did they turn it around in, in in pretty good fashion and won that scrum penalty at the death which allowed spencer to to kick that that goal and take off that time off the clock and put us out of reach of a of a three-point score and then to do that at the end having played the whole 80 minutes both of them i thought that was a massive massive effort and and, and a massive credit to to caldwell and ray but that was probably the you know the best night of Caldwell's young career undoubtedly and, and certainly the best performance Ray's had in a bar shirt you must have enjoyed that one Tom being a, a former front row man yourself well definitely I think the you hit the nail on the head the fact they played 80 minutes and they probably would have been aware of, you know going into that game you know unless you get injured here you're 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 playing the full 18 with, with you know with inexperienced guys Will Vaughan and um can't remember who's on the tight end side but but you know someone else inexperienced guys coming off the bench and Darcy Ray, obviously, he's a bit older. He's kind of played a decent amount of club rugby. But for Arthur Cordwell to, to, to come in at the age of 22, having only a handful of, 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 of premiership, has he, does he have any? I'm not even sure he, he's got a premiership start. Um, or, you know, only a couple and, and not that many premiership appearances to his name. To, to, to do that for 80 minutes, I thought was, I thought was yeah, incredibly impressive and I think those guys you know really kind of the unsung heroes of 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 the day a lot of the talk about um uh, you know about uh Nathan Hughes etc Will Muir but 
yeah, those guys, those guys stepped up massively. And as you say, against a, a Quinn's pack that's been, been been pretty dominant at been pretty dominant at scrum time. Mm. Yeah, it's, as I said, key areas: game game management, scrum, um, and, and maybe Quinn's being flattered slightly by some of the recent results they've had, doing stuff at the death. Um, maybe they would do a loss, and, and Bath were were certainly um, due a victory. Tom, any other thoughts on this game? Maybe about the what it was like being at the wreck, or, or any other points that you just wanted to touch on? Yeah, no, nothing really. I think we've we, we, we've covered it. The as I said, the atmosphere was 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 bloody brilliant. To be honest, it it really was. It was it was it was some of the best, some of the the noisiest and most passionate. Um, you know, some of the noisiest passionate atmosphere and fans that I've I think I've ever experienced at the wreck, and that obviously speaks to how low the lows have been this season. And we're still not out of the woods. You know, the, it, it's not getting any easier, and we shouldn't pretend that this is a a complete turnaround. But as you've said a few times during the season. We should hold on to these kind of mm. these kind of moments and and enjoy them. And it was it was desperate in those last few minutes. G. Everyone was so nervous, and you could barely watch, but also you couldn't take your eyes off it. We were living and breathing every decision, every twist and turn of the game. And um, yeah, it's probably some of the most nervy times I've had watching rugby ever. And you just felt that, as we have done so many times, we might throw it away. So it was really gratifying that we we're able to find a way to, to get over the line. And when Max Adroma kind of booted it into the crowd, I'm pretty sure that ball's still still up in the atmosphere somewhere. He, he kicked it so so far. And yeah, the celebrations were were were, were absolutely brilliant. Uh, it was it was great as well because it was not only players on the pitch, coaches, supporters, but you had the guys in the in the in the stand, Miles Reed and his great big uh, orange coat standing up for every decision and 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 cheering along with the rest of the supporters. Um, obviously, Joe Thokanasiga, who was a guy that we've not seen in ages, was running up and down with the with the water, barely able to contain himself. So, yeah, it was it was it was a great atmosphere, and it it it, it you know I think everyone left the the wreck. If you're a Bath fan or player, with with a mass, massive smile on your face, so brilliant scenes. A couple of appearances from you on the the BT coverage as oh, well, Tom. There were. I mean, I've, you, I stand out. Because I look about 125 kilos in about six layers, and then a, a bright blue bath shirt. But yeah, in all the excitement, I managed to I managed to kick over my my cubaster pint at the end of the at the end of the game. But um, that wasn't going to dampen my mood at all. Um, it, you know, it was it was it was brilliant. I don't know if it will be your mood will be dampened, Tom, this weekend. Let's have a really really brief look ahead to the next the next game uh, for Bath on Saturday, the Stonex Stadium. Just, just before we do, one, one, we're going to mention one piece of news oh, that, that was reported in the week. Yeah, just, just touching it because we, we don't know much about it yet. But it was reported. Well, it's been reported in various, um, various newspapers this week that Sam Underhill, it, it, you know, con- concerning news around the concussions that he's he's been having. So he's had four concussion incidents in the last two months. So it's it's becoming quite regular, and obviously he's suffered with it in the past. He he tried to change his technique, I believe, at the back end of of 2017 not getting his head in the wrong places in 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 tackles but it seems to be an issue that's 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 blighting him and obviously we know what a fantastic player he is he's he's brilliant he can be world class consistently on his on his day but you know it's all about his 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 long term health and it's it's very concerning and i think all fans would would much rather see him take the proper time to get the get the treatment excuse me 
<laughs> All right, Tom, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to edit this out. So, um, yeah, you can keep rolling through. Uh, but I, I think it's extreme. Yeah, the Underhill news is just so worrying, isn't it? Sorry about that. It was just a rogue clock um, going off to pull back the curtain. But, yeah, very, very concerning. And particularly when you, you look at the guys who, you know, now in their early to mid-40s, the guys that have, 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 are now really suffering you know, Steve Thompson being a you know really high profile example, Carl Heyman, the the ex New Zealand prop, Alex Popper, Michael Lippman, obviously of Bath, Dan Scarborough, Kieran Lowe, and, and some of the stories about the early onset dementia that that they've had or or CTE, you know, injuries that you know, the impact of those injuries doesn't appear until ten or twenty years down the line. It's so difficult to pick up with the current technology we've got. So it's really concerning and he's I think Sam Underhill's got a got a, a um, an important consultation with a specialist this week. So obviously we hope for all the best, but but definitely putting his his his, his long term health first and foremost. It's harrowing, isn't it? Four concussions in two months. At the moment, it's, it's almost like every game he he plays, he's he's coming off with a, with a concussion, and yeah, it is just such a difficult decision because it's his life and he's a young guy and he would have dreamed of 10 more years um, kind of not just everything that rugby brings in, in the career but financially it's just a massive massive decision we don't need to tell him that I just hope he makes the right one for himself um, and that these start clearing up because yeah it's, it's, it's pretty harrowing some of the stories um, and, and when all said and done clearly his health is is more much, much more important than, than anything else and and maybe Bath will be able to find a way to, to keep him involved at the club on a non-playing on a non-playing level because yeah it would be such such a loss on a playing front yeah and, and hopefully the specialist advice is that he you know he, he can he can continue he, he um, it, it, you know concussion doesn't always mean dementia and CTE there's there's obviously steps you can take and and it, it, it's not necessarily a massive long-term issue and, and the end of his career. You know, lots of rugby players have got concussion and 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 being able to carry on and, and being fine later down the line. But yeah, I think anyone who hasn't, just encourage you to look at some of the stories around Steve Thompson, Carl Heyman, guys who are in their early to mid-40s who go out for a, you know, a cycle, I think one example I read, go out for a cycle around their village, 10 minutes into the cycle, the age of 41, I think it was, forget how to get home because they're, they're, you know they've 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 got dementia they've got they've got CTE or, or, or whatever it is and it's um, it's devastating and obviously George North was a guy that that, that picked up some head knocks and was it, carried on playing and, and was able to carry on playing but I think probably has never quite been the the same sort of player so yeah very very harrowing and this is why obviously the world rugby is so desperate to avoid well to bring in to bring in rules to avoid this and to avoid lawsuits down the line mm. um, and obviously we have HIAs we have different protocols in place but the impacts are, are so huge and the intensity is so huge in modern rugby so it, it does just highlight it does just highlight I don't want to lay this too much but it does just highlight kind of the the, the, the the almost impossible job world rugby have got because the way Sam Underhill tackles is almost always completely legal now his technique is terrible, but he's the, he's not breaking the rules that World Rugby are introducing to try and cut this down. Which means that they, they've almost got an impossible job because they can't outlaw what Sam Underhill does. He just needs to to improve his technique. But at the same time, he's then getting four getting four concussions in two months. So 
Yeah, yeah, quite a, a, a sobering note after what was a, a brilliant weekend from from a Bath point of view, and, and clearly this is just being reported at the moment. And, and if some concrete news does come out, we'll, we'll cover it on on the podcast. So so hit subscribe at Bath Rugby Plug, um, and all this blue, black, and white news will be covered. Tom, very briefly now, I'm, I'm conscious that that we've we've had Max on and, and we've spoken quite a bit of depth about about this game. Rightly so, a fantastic victory. Can we repeat it as we visit Saracens on Saturday? Saracens clearly, like Bath, with a number of players out, they're more kind of towards the the, um, unavailabilities due to England, but lost uh, at Wasps at the weekend. Is this another Bath, as as Max said, acting the banana peel here for Saris? Well, like you say, on on the one hand, you know, it feels like we're really flying high at the moment after our second win of the season. <laughs> and as you say, they 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 lost to Wasps at, uh, at the weekend, and the game before that lost to lost to Gloucester, got shaved up by Gloucester at home. So their form in the in the Premiership has hasn't been great. Obviously, they're missing England guys, whether it's through through injury in the case of Owen Farrell has been has been well publicised, or or just the guys that are that, that are unavailable for England and. And, and others. So who's that? Jamie George, Maratoje, Nick Tompkins, um, must must be others that are, uh, Maitland as well for Scotland, must be other guys that I'm forgetting as well. So they are, they're missing a decent number of guys. But with all that said and done, you only have to look at the reverse fixture when they scored 71 points at the rec. So we shouldn't forget that that wasn't too long ago. And you know, I'm I'm very conscious that we shouldn't see this last win as a turning point in the season. I'd still expect Saracens to be be strong favourites, but you never know what 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 winning does to a team and 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 what the mentality will be, and also who potentially will be the the latest set of guys that will be will be coming back to to, to be available and fully fit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, eighteen point favourite Saracens are with the bookies, Tom. So clearly they're not putting too much stock into to what happened at the weekend from, from a Bath point of view. And I think that's probably about right. I think it will be very difficult. But but if we can build on that and, and get points from this game, Worcester are away at Leicester. So unlikely that they'll get any points. So chasing Worcester, for me, is the massive priority of this season. So if we can get a couple of points, if they get nothing, it's another step towards doing that. Tom, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for listening. I'm going to put you on the spot here before you go. One number, where did England finish in the Six Nations? Obviously starts with a trip to Scotland at the weekend. I'll go for third. Okay. Grand Slam with Bailey at 10. I'll give you another number from the weekend. Thick to scale, 10. 10, boom. Done. Perfect way to end the podcast, Tom. Thank you for joining me. Thanks again to Max Ajoma for joining us. Thanks for listening. Please do share this amazing interview that we've had with Max Ajoma with your mates and stick behind the boys through thick and thin.